You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church and Pleasant Green Road. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Good morning. Why sit around and wait when you can be one, right? That's a great song. Uh, In fact, I've heard that song a lot this week. Uh, we actually have a, a video presentation for the associ- our associational meeting is Tuesday, uh, this coming Tuesday at uh, Bragtown Baptist Church, and we have a presentation to that song. So I've I've looked at it several times and heard that. That's a great message. Good morning. I want to thank uh, Pastor Bob for the invitation to be here. What a great day to be here on Mission Sunday. Um, a lot of times pastors invite us to come and speak, and I ask them, I say, what do you want me to speak on? And they say, well, you know, this or that. Sometimes they give you a, a text. Sometimes they give you a subject. But whatever they tell me to speak on, I'm going to speak on missions. So, so today, <laughs> that's, that's who I am. That's, that's what I do. Um, thanks for the introduction. Uh, my wife, Melissa, and I had the, the privilege of serving for 27 years with the International Mission Board. Uh, and, and so from the IMB, let me say thank you. Had it not been for churches like Ebenezer, we could not have gone to language school in Costa Rica. We could have not have lived for 20 years in, in Bolivia. We could have not have lived in Mexico and, and traveled all over Latin America. We couldn't have sent our, our kids to school. We couldn't have had a, a four-wheel drive to go through the mud and get stuck and, and be able to buy tires. Uh, we, we could not have lived without the support of churches like yours. And I'm not talking about money. Thanks for the money, too. But your prayers are so welcome. As I look at those flags, uh, I have to say that I'm moved because that represents places that you have touched. But as I think about that and I think about the song and I think about what she just shared, there's so many places have not been touched. Still over half the world has not even heard the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know what you may watch some uh, TV shows sometimes and they say, you know, the gospel is penetrating in all these countries and, and we're this close and, and we're having all these earthquakes and maybe it's the end times. I, I'm beginning to wonder myself, right? But the way I read Matthew, it says the gospel we proclaimed in the, earth, the whole earth and then he will come back. And let me tell you, there's a lot of places that have not heard the gospel in a way that they can understand it and respond. So that is, that's what I want to talk to you about. It is an honor to serve as director of missions. I've said this for the last year. Our missionary calling has not changed, just our geography. We felt called to come back. Uh, and and in, fa- in fact, when we begin to pray about whether to, to, to leave the International Mission Board or not, our desire was to not leave the International Mission Board. We, wanted to, we, we believe that God didn't call me to be this or this or this. He called us to be missionaries. And, and it was a struggle, and it was painful. And even now, still... It's a little painful. But then I begin to realize that my, <laughs> it's not about being named under a, a mission agency, but it's being able to be a missionary wherever I am. And serving as a director of mission is a challenge, not just because of working with pastors. I have the privilege of working with great pastors. Um, but because that. In the United States today, almost 3,000 churches close their doors every year. We've had a church in Yates this past year that closed their doors. They will not meet again. We have other churches that are very close to that. 
It is my desire not to see that those doors will never close, but not so they won't ever close, but that, that the church will be on the offensive, that the church will be growing, it will be making a difference in its community. And so that's, that's why we came back. God brought us here. Um, I want to share with you from the scripture, and I don't know, I, I sent that, I think, I don't know if you have that, but if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you, and it's kind of funny because I actually sent in the wrong scripture. I don't know if you've ever done that, Bob, but I sent in the wrong one. Um, but I'm going to read it because when I looked it up, it's pretty good. Um, but but it, it reminded me of a story I've heard. I heard this story. You probably heard this too. It's a great story. But they say it's true that this, this young bride, uh, you know, she was going to get married. She was really nervous, and, and she was really super nervous. So she said, well, I want to, I want to, you know, live my life based on the Scripture. And so she had a Scripture passage put on her cake. And so she sent it to the, to the uh, people, and she said, I want 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. For perfect love cast out all fear. She wanted that engraved or whatever you do, I guess, on her, on her cake. So about a week before the wedding, she got a, a call from the caterers. They said, are you sure that's the verse you want? First, you know, she so said, yeah, that's the verse. And so they said, okay. So then uh, the wedding came and, and she got down to the, uh, uh, the reception. And it was not 1 John 4.18, it was John 4.18, which says, For you have had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Um, so I made a mistake. I actually sent in, I said Malachi 1.5. That's not the one, but, but it's a good one. Malachi 1.5 says, You will see it with your own eyes. Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. Pretty good. And it actually lines up with Habakkuk 1.5, which is what I want you, if you have your Bibles, look with me to Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am doing something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Well, I want to tell you about it today. And I pray that you will believe <laughs> because this was written in Habakkuk. They didn't believe because they were on that side of the cross. You and I have the benefit of being on this side, don't we? We can see things just a little more clearly. Look at the nations and be utterly amazed. I'm gonna ask you a question. How many of you grew up within uh, a 30 or 40 mile radius of this place? You can raise your hands. Okay. Durham, Hillsborough area is not what it used to be 30 years ago, is it? North Carolina is not what it used to be. I grew up in Western North Carolina. And honestly, I think the first time that I heard a, another language, I probably was maybe 15 or 16 with an exchange student that came to our school. All you have to do today is to go to, to Walmart or go to Target and you'll hear four or five languages spoken. Look at the nations. You can get on a plane and you do need to get on a plane, but you don't have to get on a plane to see the nations because God has brought them here. As, as a former IMB missionary, I want to say, I think maybe we have done such a poor job that God said, you know what, I'm going to help you out a little bit. I'm going to send them to you. What does missions mean in a Christian context? You know, we talk about mission, you know, the, the NASA guys, they go on their mission. You know, the, the, the military, they have their missions. What does missions mean in the Christian context? I want to, I want to be really simple. To me, missions means Proclaiming the gospel to someone who is in darkness. Missions means telling someone about Jesus. 
there is a uh, misconception, or, or, or maybe it's just something that I, that I don't agree with, but there, there's a growing belief in our world today, a, a lot of millennials and, 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 and other folks that, that say, you know what, we can just go and show people. We'll show the love of Christ and they'll know. Well, there are a lot of biblical mandates that say we are to love one another so that others will know. There, there's, there's also a lot, of, a lot of places where it say that if we are showing them, that it will give us an opportunity to share. But the Bible is also very clear. There comes a time when there has to be some proclamation. And we can feed all the hungry, and we can clothe all the naked, and we can visit all the prisoners, but we'll just have well-visited, well-fed bellies with great clothes going into an eternity without God. Missions means we have to share the gospel. I want to be really clear about that. We had the privilege of serving for almost 20 years in South America and Bolivia. I want to teach you some Spanish. How many of you know Spanish? Now, if you just stay around a couple hours, this, this room fills up with Hispanic speaker, uh, Spanish speakers, right? Okay, let me, let me teach you some Spanish. Everybody repeat after me. Si, sí, senor. Okay, what did you just say? All right, I like to piece, people to say yes, sir, to me. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, can I have 100 bucks? Okay. Nobody said si, sí, senor. Okay. Um, so, also it means, it means yes, sir, but it also means yes, Lord. The word Señor means Lord. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Can you say no to him then? If he is Lord by definition, you cannot say no, can you? <laughs> if you say no, then he ceases to be Lord. Does that make sense? I'm a simple guy, but that makes pretty good sense to me. So, so just like if, if he asks us to do something, if he calls us to go, then we must obey. I want to share with you a little bit about our mission experience. Mission experience in Bolivia was, was very interesting. Bolivia is the second poorest country in this hemisphere, only to Haiti, behind Haiti. Um, a lot of poverty, but what I was surprised was not just a lot of poverty, but also a lot of wealth. There was just an inequity. There were the very, very rich and the very, very poor when we first got to Bolivia. Not a lot of middle class. We visited a lot of churches. In fact, there's still some churches there in Bolivia that have dirt floors that uh, have windows, but there's no windows in those windows. <laughs> there's no glass in those windows. Um, they have no plaster on the walls. They're just brick. And some of you have been on mission trips and you've seen that. We've slept in places that you would not believe. In fact, I remember one trip on Isoso. We were uh, in southern Bolivia. We went and Melissa and I were there together and, and they were like, no, we want to give you the best, we want to give you our bed. And we're like, no, no, we'll, we've got a tent and some sleeping bags. No, we want to give you our bed. No, no. And they're like, no, no, we want to bless you. We want to give you our bed. And we did, and we slept in that bed. We didn't know that it was full of, of, of bugs, but you know, that's another, I think Melissa had like 50 bites on her back and um, we've eaten some strange things, okay? Uh, people always ask me that. Yeah, some strange food and, and some of the stuff, that animals that we don't even have here uh, the anta, what is that? That's like a capiwara. Uh, that's like a, it's kind of between a horse and a pig. You know, it's like, it's like a little pony that has a snout. Um, uh, some weird things, monkey brains, uh, snake filet. Um, some, some, it all tastes like chicken. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> but it's not about eating weird things. It's about taking the gospel to people who are in darkness. The Bible is very clear. 
Those that, those that have accepted the Son live in light. Those who have not accepted the Son, those who don't know the Son, are living in darkness. In fact, there's another example, and I, I have to admit that my sons kind of drew me into a program, and, I, and I'm sorry, I hate to admit this, but I, I, yes, I watched The Walking Dead. I'm sorry. It premieres tonight, right? Scott, I knew you'd know. Okay. Um, but you know, the Bible talks about walking dead. Those without Christ, it says they are walking dead. Their spirit is dead. It also calls them blinded. They've been blinded. So these people who are walking dead, they have a need. These people who are blind, they have a need. These people who have not heard the gospel, they have a need. And you and I have the answer. So it's not about eating weird things. It's about taking the gospel to those who need to hear the gospel. One of the things that was so interesting about Bolivia was a lot of people, especially older people, do not know how to read or write. I remember we met uh, Jose Luis. He was 59 years old when I met him. And then probably about two years later, he came up to me and he said, he said, Pastor, I, I want to learn how to preach the gospel, but I can. He said, I want to be a missionary like you, but I can't. And I said, sure you can. I said, God can help you. He said, no, I can't. I said, why not? He said, because I can't read or write. He was an usher in the church. We didn't have bulletins, so I don't know what he did to usher, but you know, he, he showed people where to sit or you know, he helped people. Actually, you know what he did? He always had candy in his pocket. And he always gave candy to all the kids. But he wanted to do more. He wanted to preach the gospel. He said, but I can't. But God said, yes, you can. We began to teach him a methodology called Bible storying. Some of you are familiar with it. It is telling the story of the Bible just in a way you would tell about the ball game. Did you hear about Carolina? Man, they got beat yesterday, let me tell you. And I'm a Carolina fan, okay? Did you hear about Duke? Okay, we won't go that way. Okay. We, we talk about sports. We talk about political things. We talk about TV shows just in a casual manner. Why can't we just have gospel conversations with people around us? Why can't we be talking to somebody and, and they're telling you a story and you say, that reminds me of a story. Have you ever heard about? So we taught this methodology to Jose Luis. Jose Luis lived in San Ramon. He rode a bus twice a week from San Ramon into Santa Cruz. About a six and a half, seven hour bus trip, depending on how many cattle were in the way in the road as you go. Uh, a lot of cattle farms. I guess there's another word for that, right? Cattle farms. Uh, anyway. Huh? Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, I think in Spanish, and sometimes it translates wrong, but um, you know, that's a funny story. I remember missionaries coming to my church, and they would say, they'd say things like, yeah, you know, I, I think in this other language, and I think, man, those guys are idiots. Well, I'm one of those guys. So it, it does happen, okay? So, so he would go from San Ramon to Santa Cruz twice a week. And actually, we told him a bunch of stories, and he said, you know what? I ride the bus. I have a captive audience. He said, I'm going to tell them the stories on the bus. So the very first time he got up, he learned like 10 or 12 stories. He got up on the bus, and he said the first time he walked up to the front, and this was about a 30-passenger bus. He said his knees were shaking, and he didn't know how it was going to go. And he said, I want to tell you guys a story. And he was afraid because in Bolivia, people carry chickens on the bus and, they, and vegetables, so he thought they might throw tomatoes or eggs or something at him. But he told the story, and he sat down, he said, somebody in the back of the bus said, Jose Luis, tell us another story. And he got to where he could tell 10 to 12 stories on that. You say 10 to 12 on a six-hour bus ride. Because he would tell the story. 
And then he'd say, now, 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 sir, can you tell the story? Ma'am, can you tell the story? Hey, sir, in the back, can you tell the, ma'am, can you tell the story? He would get like four or five people to tell the story. If they messed up, messed up a little bit, he would help correct them. But he would get them to tell the story in their own words, not adding, not taking away, but telling God's story. So everybody on the bus got to hear every story five or six times. Guess what? He'd say, your homework is to go home and tell this to your family. He would tell 10 to 12 stories. He would, he would start in creation, and he would get to Jesus. And he had people accept Christ on that bus. Jose Luis later became a bivocational pastor with the Chiquit, in the Chiquitania, speaking a language that I can't even say. He said, I can't, but God said, you can Young lady, Maribel, came to our house, came to a Bible study at our house. She actually was sent as a spy because her, her niece had accepted Christ and her niece had transformed her lives, but her family was really concerned. They're like, who are these people and what are they teaching? Maybe there's some kind of cult or some kind of weird group. So they, they sent her to our house. Maribel came and she was real serious and she had a, a, a snow on her face. A snow? What is that word? A scowl, whatever, yeah. Ugh. And, and, and she didn't say hello and she didn't say goodbye, which is really weird in a Latin culture. In fact, in a Latin, Latin culture, if somebody's up preaching or teaching and somebody comes in late, they may go around and shake everybody's hand and say, hey, preacher, how you doing? That, you know, it's, we would go in and sit down in the back and hide. They want to say hello to everybody because greeting and, and saying goodbye is very important. I think we have a few of those people in some of our Baptist churches because you ever heard somebody say, Miss Jones didn't say hello to me? No, I'm just kidding. That's not. We wouldn't do that, right? We wouldn't do that. So Maribel came to our house as a spy to see what we were teaching. After about four or five weeks, she loosened up. She started greeting us and saying hello and goodbye. And, and you know what? After about six weeks, the gospel began to penetrate. And a few more weeks later, she prayed and received Christ. She came to our house one day, a few months later. In fact, maybe it was a conversation with Melissa, but she told Melissa, she said, you know, I want to serve as a missionary like you got. I want to tell people about Jesus. Here it goes again, but I can't. I said, sure you can. Why can't she? She said, well, when I was a young girl, I was actually abused sexually by an uncle and then by another family member, and I was very promiscuous as a, as a teenager, and, and, and I'm just a dirty person. Melissa took her back to the scriptures and showed her 2 Corinthians, where it says, when you're in Christ, you are a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. She took her through a Bible study, Beth Moore, breaking free. And let me tell you, that girl broke free. She is actually right now, uh, I think this week, going to La Paz to get a visa to go to Hawaii to study with a group so she can go back and serve as a missionary. She later called us and told us she felt called to work in India. This girl who said she couldn't, God said, yes, you can. Jose Luis who said, I can't, God said, yes, you can. I could go on and on and tell you story after story of a person who told us we can't. Let me, let me share a statement with you, and, and I don't know if you write things down, but if you write anything down, this would be a good one to write down. This is a statement that I heard probably about 15 years ago, and, and, it, and it's... I think it's as, as far as, as just any other statement outside the Bible, it's really impacted my life. It says, lostness, and I had a grammar teacher tell me, lostness is not a word. Well, let's just say the condition of being lost, okay? Lostness should impact everything I do, 
so that everything I do impacts lostness. Does that make sense? The fact that there are people out there who are lost should impact and change my life so that I do things in a way differently that is going to impact their condition of being lost. Lostness should impact everything I do so that everything I do impacts lostness. I want to share with you in closing four lies about missions. Four lies about missions. Number one, I've heard somebody say, you know, God would not really send that innocent person in the jungle to an eternity in hell, would he? I've seen Barna has done studies in the last few years, you've probably seen it as well, that it's, it's creeping into our churches. People believe that there, some people believe there's not even a place called hell. I'm not talking about non-believers, I'm talking about Christians. My Bible tells me that there is a final destination, there's two. One is to be with God and that is heaven and one is to be separated from God and that is hell. But a lot of people say, well, God really wouldn't send that innocent person to hell. They're exactly right. God would not send an innocent person, but there does not exist any innocent people. We've been to some of those places. I've been to the jungles of, of, of the Amazon. I've seen those people that live in huts and, and wear very little clothes. I've had, uh, for breakfast, turtle legs with them. It's very, very tasty. But they're not innocent. The second lie is that, you know, missions is just, it's just, and I already alluded to it, missions is just showing people the gospel. It's just being nice to people. It's doing great ministries. And let me tell you, we, we see hundreds and hundreds of Groups go on mission trips every year and the gospel is never proclaimed. Now, I know there are places that you have to go and you have to earn the right. And I know there are places that you, that you have to go and, and, and you can't come in and just proclaim the gospel. You have to, you have to build a relationship with those. But the, the end goal is always to be able to share Christ, right? But there are people who say, you know what? You can just show them. The third lie is, and I have, to, I have to admit, I actually said this one. I'm sorry. Uh, the, yeah, I hadn't said this one. The third one is, I could never do what you guys did. Have you ever told a missionary that? I could never do what you did. That's a lie from Satan. Because if God calls you, he will equip you. Amen? If God calls you to go for a week trip, he will provide your funds. If God calls you to go... And, and, and ask you to do things that are out of your comfort zone, he will give you strength. He will put the words in your mouth. The, the fourth one, and this was the one that I've actually said before is, and, and I don't make anybody mad, but I, I think this is a lie. We're all missionaries. You say, wait a minute now, wait a minute. I believe the way that I read the scripture is we are all called to be missionaries. If you're a Christ follower, then you're called to be a missionary. I could have told you today that I'm a farmer. I could have driven up on my John Deere tractor. I could have worn my overalls, come in and tell you that I'm a farmer and act like a farmer, but I'm not a farmer until I do what? To I farm. You're not a missionary till you mish. Does that make sense? You can say, oh, I'm a mission. We're all missionaries. Giving is important. Praying is important. Helping others is important. But we all have a mouth because God wanted us to proclaim 
his word to the neighbors around you. Maybe it means to, to, to go across the world or maybe it means just to cross the street and talk to your neighbor. But they're all important. God has called us all, but we're only all missionaries when we share the gospel. If you are a Christ follower, it is not a question, has God called me to be a part of missions? The question is, or the questions are, when, where, and how? Did you get that? If God has called you, if you are a Christ follower, then it is not a question, should I be involved in missions? It is when, where, and how. And I understand from, from the breakfast this morning, some of you are financially giving so that others can go, and that is amazing, and that is great. And I want to encourage you to do that, especially with these young people. Encourage, because their lives, when you go on a mission trip, what happens? Your life changes. Your mind is blown. But I'm going I'm to say something that might make somebody mad. Just because you give, that does not take away your call to also share with somebody else. You know, we are so thankful for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. As you give, that goes to International Missions. If you give to Annie Armstrong, that goes to to North American Mission Board. I'm thankful for that. But so many of us, we take out our offering sometimes and we, we put it in the plate and then we say, I'm done for until next year. That's not what God is saying. He says, look at the nations and be amazed. I am doing something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. You know, one of the reasons that we don't believe is because we're not a part of it. Because it's, it's you know, we used to not say international missions. We used to say foreign missions. Well, one problem with missions and with, and with us in our churches is it is a foreign thing to us. And it's not supposed to be a foreign thing. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to tell people about Jesus on the wrestling mat, right? We're supposed to tell people about Jesus at the, at the soccer match. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus in food line or whatever grocery store you go to. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus in every way. In fact, you know Matthew 28 says, therefore, what? Go and make disciples. But you know that word go actually means as you are going. It was almost like it was taken for granted. We're going to be going. We have to go. We have to go. And we've been sent. One thing I'm convinced about is God continues to call. Melissa and I were in uh, 1984. We got married. We were 12 years old. That's right. And um, we took a group of about 25 young people. Uh, I was a youth pastor then. We took about 25 young people to uh, Camp Caswell. We wanted to go Youth Week 1. We didn't get that. Our second choice was Youth Week 2, or Extravaganza Youth. Uh, we didn't get that. We got our third choice, which was Missions Week. We had some kids drop out because they didn't want to go on Missions Week. That wouldn't happen here at Ebenezer, would it? I hope. But as we were there, we heard Hubert and Jean Middleton share they were retiring after about 35 years in Chile. And I don't remember all they said and the pictures they showed, it, it, I, but I do remember one thing they said. They said, we can retire because we know that God continues to call out new people. Maybe he's calling some of you. And I leaned over. We had that group of kids between us, and I leaned over 
And my blushing bride was at the end and she had tears coming down her cheeks. And I looked at her and I swallowed hard and I nodded. And in an unspoken moment, we knew that God had called us. Now, there was a lot leading up to that, but we knew at that moment. We left from that place after we got all the kids where they're supposed to go. We went up there where the cross is, up on the hill there at Caswell. And we knelt down and we prayed and said, Lord, wherever, however, I never expected it to be Bolivia. I was hoping for Hawaii. But God said, go. In 2007, he said, it's time to leave Bolivia. And I said, no, Lord, I don't want to go. God, you're doing some great things. I want to keep doing it. I'm used to it here. I speak the language. I know all the people. Let's stay here. And he said, no, it's time to go. He told us to go later to, to Mexico. I didn't want to go to Mexico. I love the food. Don't get me wrong. That was too close to the United States. <laughs> And then a few years ago, he said, it's time to go back to the United States. And I said, no, Lord. He said, yes. I said, no. And he said, yes. And we had an argument. Guess who won? That's right. <laughs> That's right. God continues to call. One of my favorite stories was told. It's an old story. So... Some of you young people may have to Google some of this information, but it's an old story. Back before computers and cell phones, uh, you know, one of the, the uh, ways that people communicated was by telegraph. There's a story that a guy got out of college, he couldn't find a job, and uh, he, was, he was reading through the paper. You can tell it's an, an old story, right? He's looking through the paper, and he found this job for a, a, a telegraph operator. Well, he had learned Morse code, and if you knew Morse code, you could decipher the dots and the dashes, and... So he knew Morse code. In fact, he'd learned as a Boy Scout. He went down to this office like a great college student. It said, be there at 8 o'clock. He got there at 8.15. He walked in the door and all the chairs were taken, all the seats. In fact, there were people standing on the walls. There was even nowhere to stand. So he started to leave. He, in fact, he went, went, was going out the door, but he stopped. He closed the door and he went straight to the manager's door. He didn't knock. He just opened the door and went in. And all the people sitting there, it's like, who does this guy think he is? One guy punched his neighbor and said, sure enough, just, just wait. The manager is going to come out and throw him out. And, and sure enough, about a minute later, came, the manager came out. And he, but he, he had his arm around the young man. He said, you guys can go. The job's been filled. They were so mad. They said, what do you mean? We were here. I was here at 8 o'clock. I was outside at 745. I was outside at 730. He was the last one in. How can he get the job? He said, wait a minute. You're here for the telegraph op operator job, right? Yes. You know Morse code? Yes. He said, since 8 o'clock, I've been on the other side of that wall tapping out the message. If you understand this message, don't knock, walk through my door. The job is yours. God is calling. Our God has always called people. Sometimes we think, Lord, you made a mistake. I've done that a bunch. Is God calling you? Even another question, are you listening? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. I praise you for this church. I thank you for what it's done through its many years of being here, as being a lighthouse not only to this community, but to the corners of the earth. But Father, we do not want to rest on past laurels. We do not want to rest on what's happened in the past because there are too many lost people across the world 
and across the street that need to hear the gospel. Father, we want to say just like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. Father, I pray right now that you would bring to memory to those who you've called to cross over and talk to their neighbor. Maybe bring it to memory to those that you've talked to about maybe going on a mission trip next year. And maybe even today, maybe during the Sunday school time, you ask somebody to take a step of faith and sign up to go to a place that they've never been before. And maybe, Lord, you're just asking somebody to put their yes on the table because they don't know where or where or when or how, but they just want to put their yes on the table. They want to say, see, Senor, wherever it is, I will obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And, you know, obviously God is, is speaking and, and used Brother Marty to, to share with us. And one of the things I heard was, you're not off the hook. <laughs> if you call yourself a, a believer, a follower of Christ, then you don't get out of this. It's just a matter of when, where, and how. And so I want to encourage you to be obedient to God. And it may mean coming to the altar. It may mean saying, God, here I am. Send me wherever. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.